I'm Cesar Rubio, five-time past master of Palm Springs Laws number 693, and this is Masonic Muscle, where we focus on the strongest aspect of Freemasonry, a virtuous education of the mind, fortifying it with wise and serious truths, encouraging all brethren to increase their level of fitness one degree at a time, making exercise and study a cornerstone of your daily routine, because Freemasonry is work. When you put in the work, get closer and closer to the point within the circle. Masonic Muscle, we give you more light, but no light weights. We're here to pump you up, body, mind, and soul. Yeah. Welcome back, welcome back. Before I get started, let me ask you once again, if you haven't shared this show with somebody, please do. If, especially if you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. If you took just one minute to give me a review on either iTunes or Spotify, it helps me a ton. And if you've done that already, I thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please consider sharing this show with other Masons. Please. Other Masons that you think would get something out of it because word of mouth is the primary way Masonic muscle grows and spreads. Yeah, nobody's sponsoring me. I'm paying for all this. All this equipment that I bought and little things, computers, that I've done it. So the word of mouth is the best way to spread this thing. Share it with a friend. Text them. It, you know, a Mason. Email him, whatever, however you do it. Just please share. That'll be much appreciated and to all you masons from the east coast to the west coast have you been studying your ciphers if you're an officer if you're an aspiring master mason who wants to be an officer and wants to help with the ritual have you been opening up those ciphers have you been setting a time side a, a time to begin to memorize this work learn learning to read the cipher doing some research into the words into what we're doing have you have you been digging into the mysterious origins of masonry? Have you been improving your spiritual, moral, and Masonic trestle boards? Have you stopped making excuses and begun to improve the level of your fitness one degree at a time? If not, why not? When would now, right now, right now, 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 be a good time to do that? I wonder. Now, I've been wondering for a long time. There's a lot of old-time strongmen, and when you read about them going back to the early 1900s and the 10s, the 20s, 1920s, 1930s, 40s, and 50s, you see that a lot of them lived out there in Pennsylvania, in New York, in New Jersey, and I've been wondering if any of them are Freemasons. Are they? Uh, if you know whether or not they are, please uh, write in. Let me know at MasonicMuscle357 at gmail.com so that we can begin to lay it all out. We know what Jack Lane was. He's, he's born and raised in California. He's the godfather of fitness. We know what lodge he went to. We know that he was a 32nd degree Mason and then all these feats of strength that he performed. That was pretty cool. I want to send out a shout out to a listener of mine out in Australia, an Aussie. 
Aussie man. He goes by Johnny Baddest. You know what? I don't know if I know your real name, brother. But I believe he just took his third degree. Shout out. Congratulations on being raised to the sublime degree of Master Mason. I wonder if you're by the beach over there getting some reps in. Swimming with the fish. Swimming with the sharks. What are you doing out there for exercise, brother? I see some of your posts because I follow you on Instagram. That's pretty cool. Rocking it out there with your family. Nice. Thank you for sharing. As for me, you know, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. We just had what we call, I have a big family, so we just had what we call uh, Cousins Giving. We have a lot of cousins. I'm the oldest of uh, all the cousins. So that was pretty nice. We had our, I believe this is our third or fourth one. And it was born out of a tradition that we have in our family. On both sides of my family, my dad's and my mom's, and I have a big family, a very big family, extended family. And every time, it, I was fortunate enough that on both sides of the family, they liked getting together. That's all I know growing up. And so we wish to continue that tradition. And I hope we just celebrated Dia de los Muertos. And I hope our ancestors saw us celebrating. We set up a little altar, all the pictures of our ancestors, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my great-grandfather, and extended family as well. They brought their pictures and we set up offerings for them in traditional form, in tobacco, alcohol, food, water. It's a great time to get together, see those pictures of our ancestors and know where we came from. It was excellent. It really was. So to my family members, thank you for helping us put that on and helping us not forget. Because just like in the movie Coco, that's part of what the movie was about, that we should never forget our ancestors. And when we do, even in, it has ramifications even in the spirit world. You begin to forget about certain people and even in the spirit world, they begin to disappear because nobody in the living who's living remembers them. Speaking of remembering, what about you guys, brothers? Have you gotten out there and started weightlifting, started exercising? Because you know, here it comes. Thanksgiving, the festive days. And we just celebrated Oktoberfest. What a great time we had down here in Palm Desert, California. At a local pub, the La Quinta Brewing Factory, right off of the freeway on, off of Cook Street. And several brothers and several friends and wives, my wives went, my wife went, my wives, don't let her hear that. A couple of the other brothers' wives, friends, some people who are interested in masonry, they all went and it was packed. It was a packed house. They had a band and they were German and they had a, a pretty cool mixture of uh, music. We had a great time. And the, the even better thing about it is that you know we we took it easy we had a few pints and we celebrated i got there just in time i bought their last stein that was pretty nice i have it here now i put it in the freezer but in regards to that remembering all this stuff what about you brethren are you remembering to exercise are you remembering to get out there and get some reps we need something 
in order to help our bodies begin to burn calories. Because as we get older, our metabolism starts to slow down and our body starts looking weird. And it doesn't help that you be, just begin to walk. Because if you look like a big pear and all you're doing is walking and maybe changing a few dietary practices, you're just going to look like a smaller pear. So you got to consider taking some form of other exercise to help build muscle because once you build that muscle, according to how I understand it, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not even a certified physical instructor. But the way I understand it is that when you build muscle through weightlifting exercise, that muscle begins to seek out the first source of energy that's available and that's your accumulated fat. That's right. It's not weird. The body is an incredible machine created by the great architect of the universe and science and doctors still don't understand how this incredible machine has been created with its immune system and its thought process and its uh, adaptive abilities to weather, hot weather, cold weather. It just doesn't know. It, it can't understand. It doesn't even know how an eye is created and we're beginning to to understand how the eye works, but how complicated the eye is. How could it be? How was this made? And many people out there believe that there is no God. And so this happened randomly. This through millions and millions of years of evolution, somehow the eyes were created that allows us to see ears to allow us to hear hands that allow and nerves that allow us to feel sound familiar brothers feel touch smell yeah so get out there get out there and start doing your push-ups get out there and start walking get out there and start weightlifting use that bench press that you bought three years ago that your wife now uses to hang up her clothes Take off all those clothes off of there and start using your bench press. Squats, deadlifts, bench press. Yeah. Today I want to I wanna read a little bit of a article found in the Catholic Encyclopedia on Freemasonry. And ironically, it is over 30-something pages long. Well, maybe not, right? Because they have declared war on Freemasonry. And at the very beginning, it says the subject is treated under the following heads. Number one, name and definition. Number two, origin and early history. Number three, fundamental principles and spirit. Number four, propagation and evolution. Number five, organization and statistics. Number six, inner work. Number seven, outer work. And number eight, action of state and church. Now, because it's so long, I'm just going to go over a couple of points that I wanted to go over. Number one, I'm going to go over number one and two, name and definition, and number two, origin and early history. Now, under name and definition, it says this. And keep in mind that this article was written in 1910, way back then. And, it, and I got to say, it is well written, although it is written through the eyes and lens of Catholicism. All right, under name and definition, it says this. 
Leaving aside various fanciful derivations, we may trace the word Mason to the French Macon, Latin Matio or Machio, a builder of walls or a stone cutter. German Steinmetz from Metzen to cut and Dutch Vrij Metzelar. The compound term Freemason occurs first in 1375. 1375. According to a recently found writing, even prior to 1155, and contrary to gold, means primarily a mason of superior skill. So they're referencing now, excuse me a minute, they are referencing gold. And I believe the gold encyclopedia, Masonic encyclopedia, and he was one of the foremost Masonic scholars of the time. And I believe he prescribes to the authentic school of Freemasonry, meaning he and his cohorts only went by the documented proof of the history of Freemasonry and nothing else. Everything else was fanciful. Anyways, contrary to gold means primarily a Mason of superior skill, though later it also designated one who enjoyed the freedom or the privilege of a trade guild. In the former sense, it is commonly derived from freestone mason, a mason hewing or building in free ornamental stone in opposition to a rough stone mason. This derivation, though harmonizing with the meaning of the term, seemed unsatisfactory to some scholars. Hence, Speth proposed to interpret the word Freemasons as referring to those masons claiming exemption from the control of local guilds of the towns where they temporarily settled. I've read certain papers regarding that right there, that they uh, that they had exemption from control of local guilds, and so they were able because of this they were able to set their wages, and this caused a different kind of problem for the people there, because they were basically holding you ransom. You want a castle, you want a bridge, you want a cathedral. This is our rate. This is the going rate. Who else are you going to get? So the powers that be had to figure out a way to control that. Anyhow, continuing on. In accordance with this suggestion, the New English Dictionary of the Philological Society, Oxford, 1898, favors the interpretation of Freemasons as skilled artisans, emancipated according to the medieval practice from the restrictions and control of local guilds in order that they might be able to travel and render services wherever any great building, cathedral, etc., was in process of construction. There it is. So they were free to roam about. So they had these rights and privileges that nobody else had in those times. Unheard of. These Freemasons formed a universal craft for themselves with a system of secret signs and passwords by which a craftsman who had been admitted on giving evidence of competent skill could be recognized. On the decline of Gothic architecture, this craft coalesced with the Mason guilds. Quite recently, W. Beigeman combats the opinion of Speth as purely hypothetical, stating that the name Freemasonry originally designated particularly skilled freestone masons needed at the time of the most magnificent evolution of Gothic architecture, and nothing else. In English law, the word Freemason is first mentioned in 1495. 
while Frank Mason occurs already in an act of 1444 and through 1445. Later, Freemason and Masons were used as convertible terms. And this is where Brother Nagy makes a real big point in his books and in his lectures and in his courses where he makes a really you know, a big, big point of saying, hey, when you're talking to me about the fraternity, are you talking to me about Freemasonry or Masonry? Which one is it? Because there is a distinction. Go out and get his books so that you can see what he's talking about. But he makes a very good case. Continuing on, the modern signification of Freemasonry in which since about 1750, the word has been universally and exclusively understood, dates only from the Constitution of the Grand Lodge of England, 1717. In this exception, Freemasonry, according to the official English, Scottish, American, etc. craft rituals, is most generally defined. A peculiar, some say particular, or beautiful system of morality, veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. Mackey declares the best definition of Freemasonry to be a science which is engaged in the search after the divine truth. Now you can see how Catholicism or any organized religion would have a problem with that statement because according to these established religions, they have the divine truth. Anybody outside of their circle is a danger and is a threat to that supposed monopoly of divine truth. But it says it's a, a science which is engaged in the search after the divine truth. So look at the wording. The German Encyclopedia of Freemasonry, Hanbach, another big-time Masonic scholar of the time, but I believe he was also of the of the authentic school, you know, a, if it's not written, documented, we're not going to speculate it, that that's what it is. That was him. Hombach defines Freemasonry as the activity of closely united men who, employing symbolical forms, borrowed principally from the Mason's trade and from architecture, work for the welfare of mankind, striving morally to ennoble themselves and others, and thereby to bring about a universal league of mankind which they aspire to exhibit even now on a small scale. Now, Hambach was German. And when I've talked to German brothers, they do have a somewhat different concept of masonry. A little bit more intense. I believe it's more in, line, in alignment with what the men who are coming into masonry now are looking for. The three editions which... This Hambach, Universal Manual of Freemasonry. Look that book up, brethren, and let me know. If you can, buy me one. Universal Manual of Freemasonry by Hambach has had, since 1822, our most valuable. The work having been declared by English-speaking Masonic critics by far the best Masonic encyclopedia ever published. This was in 1910. I don't know if that still stands today. I believe there's some other... Masonic Encyclopedias, Mackey's, uh, McCoy's, I believe, or Coils. All right, moving on. Origin and early history. 
Before entering upon this and the following divisions of our subject, it is necessary to premise that the very nature of Freemasonry as a secret society makes it difficult to be sure even of its reputed documents and authorities, and therefore we have consulted only those which are acknowledged and recommended by responsible members of the craft as stated in the bibliography appended to this article. It is the opprobrium of Freemasonry, says Mackey, that his history has never yet been written in a spirit of critical truth. That credulity has been the foundation on which all Masonic historical investigations have been built. That the missing links of a chain of evidence have been frequently supplied by gratuitous invention. And that statements of vast importance have been carelessly sustained by the testimony of documents whose authenticity has not been proved. That was Mackey, Gerald Mackey. What an interesting choice of words from someone who was supposedly in the know, in the thick of it, during those 1800s, 1880s, when Freemasonry was beginning to break out once again. And he says flat out that the history has never yet been written in a spirit of critical truth. In other words, it's probably written in a way that you probably would have guessed Freemasonry would have written it if they were a true secret society. In code, in cipher, using symbols. What else does he say? He says, the historical portion of old records, he adds, as written by Anderson, Preston, Smith, Calcott, and other writers of that generation was little more than a collection of fables so absurd as to excite the smile of every reader. Anderson, Preston, Smith, Calcott. Now we're understanding that Anderson, and more than likely the rest, Prescott, Smith, and Calcott, that what is being said here, that it was a collection of fables, they were actually just writing what is called now myth history, and they were in all seriousness, writing down what they had gathered and that they understood that there was something more to these stories. They weren't writing it down for us to take as literal truth is what Masonic scholars are now beginning to realize. So, of course, he written, he wrote Anderson's Constitution, wrote Anderson, you know, the Constitutions of the Masons in all seriousness. He believed in it and so did the others. And they understood that there was something more to be learned from this myth history, the legend of the craft, or so to speak. And let me read this last paragraph because it is very well written, like I said. The germs of nearly all these fantastic theories are contained in Anderson's The Constitutions of Freemasons, both 1723 and 1738, which makes Freemasonry coexistence with geometry and the arts based on it. The seven liberal arts, in other words. So the germs of nearly all these fantastic theories are contained in Anderson. What theories? Well, that Freemasonry has existed since before the flood. It had this incredible knowledge that the knowledge that they had survived 
the destruction of the Tower of Babel, that they were able to thrive despite what that story says, that they were able to communicate with one another, that somehow, some way, Freemasonry has existed since the beginning of time. And maybe not since the beginning of time, but for a very, very, very long time. It gets into all the different theories at that time. Because remember, this article was written in 1910. And you can see, you know, who are they crediting Masonry with? Or what are they crediting Masonry of doing? Well, they're, they're crediting Masonry uh, with building Noah's Ark, the Tower of Babel, the pyramids, Solomon's Temple. You know, subsequent authors find the origin of Masonry in the Egyptian, Dionysiac, Dionysiac, Eleusinian, Mithraic, and Druidic mysteries. In sex, not S-E-X, guys, S-E-C-T-S. And schools such as the Pythar- uh, Pythagoreans, Essenes, Coldies, Zoroastrians, and Gnostics, and the evangelical societies that preceded the Reformation. In other words, like uh, monk schools, monk orders, Catholic monk orders, Protestant orders, monk orders, and the orders of knighthood, Johann Knights, Templars, yeah, among the alchemists. Rosicrucians and Kabbalists in Chinese and Arabic secret societies in Chinese all the way back then and Arabic secret societies. It is claimed also that Pythagoras founded the Druidic institution and hence that Masonry probably existed in England 500 years before the Christian era. Some authors, considering geological finds as Masonic emblems, trace Masonry to the Miocene period while others pretend that Masonic science existed before the creation of this globe, diffused amidst the numerous systems with which the grand imperium of universal space is furnished. So you see what I mean when I originally said how well written this article is, or I guess this document because it's over 30 pages long. I have it myself, I printed it out, I took notes, I'm reading it right now from my computer. And for 1910, this is before access of all this information that we have, they were pretty well informed. Again, it is written from the Catholic perspective, Catholic point of view. So, of course, they're going to give you their twist, their spiel on how wrong it is because um, it doesn't, Freemasonry doesn't, I guess, practice or promote any one religion or creed it's just you can be a mason and all uh, two of the biggest requirements is you know do you have a belief in a supreme being do you believe in a you know the the immortality of the soul okay we can move on from there we can move on from this point and begin to get to know you see what you're about and if the time comes and you're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you Maybe you get handed an application. Maybe. But going back to this, this is very important to read and to understand. Uh, I don't know if enough lodges are really understanding the importance of Anderson's Constitution and the legend of the craft that 
that it, it relates in those two documents. The, the first one of 1723 and then later on was revised in 1738. And funny enough, and it was in 1738 that the Catholic Church, that's when they issued their papal bull that no Catholic can become a Mason because you're in danger of being excommunicated, you know, not getting all the rights and, you know, when your last rights when you're dying and you can't receive communion and things like that. Another portion of it says fundamental principles and spirit. And th this is, again, again, going back to how well written it is, and, and they really broke it down. It says, there have been many controversies among Masons as to the essential points of Masonry. English-speaking Masons style them landmarks. And at our lodge with our members, we have really been highlighting Anderson's Constitution, the 25 ancient landmarks and what have you. But it's right here, it's, it's making this point and is making this correlation to Deuteronomy. It's saying, the landmarks, a term taken from Deuteronomy 19, book 19, verse 14, and signifying the boundaries of Masonic freedom or the unalterable limits within which all Masons have to confine themselves. Mackey specifies no, no less than 25 landmarks. The same number is adopted by Whitehead as the pith of researchers of the ablest Masonic writers. Huh? How about that? And the principles of them are the method of recognition by secret signs, words, grips, steps, etc. The three degrees including the royal arch. Keep that in mind. The three degrees including the royal arch. Isn't that like a, a logical fallacy? How, how can it be the three degrees including the royal arch? Another one is the Hiram legend of the third degree. The proper tiling of the lodge against raining and snowing, i.e. against male and female, cowans or eavesdroppers, i.e. profane intruders. The right of every regular mason to visit every regular lodge in the world. A belief in the existence of God and in future life. The volume of the sacred law. Equality of masons in the lodge. Secrecy. Symbolical method of teaching. Inviolability of landmarks. There it is. That's some of what's in there. And that's like right from the beginning. That's not even delving into like halfway in, 15 pages in. That's it's just hitting you right from the beginning. And you don't have to go all the way to the end of this article and see, okay, well, why was the Catholic leadership of that time after doing their study. I think they studied Freemasonry for like 23 years. And then in 1738, they issued the Papal Bull and said, hey, you cannot, if you're a Catholic, you cannot be a Mason. They're, you know, they, they, they don't jibe. And it says here, curiously enough, the first sovereign to join and protect Freemasonry was the Catholic German Emperor Francis I the founder of the actually reigning line of Austria, so Germany, right? While the first measures against Freemasonry were taken by Protestant governments, Holland, 1735, Sweden, and Geneva, 1738, Zurich, 1740. So you see all of these different countries that took, that says, took measures against Freemasonry. Uh, Bavaria, you see all these 
all these different countries that were sounding the alarm because they couldn't understand where this was coming from. They, they couldn't understand what, what this was all about. This is why it's so important to study our past, original documents from Freemasonry, foundational documents of Freemasonry, really digging into the principles and understanding what Freemasonry is all about. Why? Because how are you going to join something that you have no idea what it's about? But you're under the false impression of all the YouTube channels that you have been watching about all these supposed secrets that Freemasonry has. And how becoming a member is going to make your life so much better. And Freemasonry is going to help you solve your problems. That's not what's going to happen. I don't even think that that's what was supposed to be happening in any lodge. To tell you the truth, I think... Uh, part of what, you know, from my experience, judging from my experience and what I've been contemplating over the years is that we are supposed to be studying Anderson's Constitution and where it leads us and what the ramifications of that is. And also, when you begin to see what it actually says and break it down into its basic components, I think some of those secrets have always been there but lodges just don't have enough time to go over this stuff with anybody i mean you get caught up in all this bullshit you know that admin stuff and the next thing you know you're not you, you haven't done anything to really enlighten your brethren and then you're expecting them to govern the lodge in a way that's just and you know that no that that only happens by by beginning to help them to be a qualified leader, but also helping them to find out what some of these ancient roots are, what what some of these ancient principles are. Can't do that without delving into these foundational documents. I hope you guys understand this. I will leave you with this. In the 1738 Anderson's Constitutions of the Freemasons, which was twice as big as the original 1723 Constitutions, it says, Most regular societies have had and will have their own secrets. And, so to be sure, the Freemasons always had theirs which they never divulge in manuscript. There it is. He's saying they never written it down. Hence the need to memorize, brethren. What have I been telling you? Memorize, 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 memorize. Because then you don't have to write down the most important stuff. And therefore cannot be expected in print. Only an expert brother, by the true light, can readily find many useful hints in almost every page of this book. I repeat, only an expert brother, by the true light, can readily find many useful hints in almost every page of this book. I wonder if brothers throughout, 
throughout the centuries have taken on the task to go through that book page by page and just begin to dissect it and see if there's any merit, if there's any truth to that statement. There has to be, right? I mean, it takes time. It sounds like there's code and cipher from what I'm understanding, from what I get when I read those that, that little sentence. Some of the some of the mystique and mystery have been right underneath our nose, brethren, this whole time in the most important document that probably has ever been written by a Freemason for Freemasons, Anderson's Constitutions of Masonry. All right, with that, I leave you. Get to it. Take control of your health, both mentally and physically. Go help out your lodge however you can. Be a pillar of strength. Be whom you want to be with. Speak your truth. Don't be afraid. Get with people on the same mission as you. And there is power in numbers, brethren. Peace out. These strong sessions are calculated to inculcate in the mind of the novitiate the importance of subduing our passions and improving ourselves in masonry, feeding the attentive ear with the sound of the instructive tongue, endeavoring to add to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, effectively spreading the cement of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully some good will towards exercising. Get out there and get your walking in. Open up your ciphers. Study, memorize, and just do it.